I see you, yeah you, flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases, a one-size-fits-all quick fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable. You might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. Week to week, I feel like God's continued to open up this word, this word, this word, pivot to me. So this has become the pivot series. That's not the pivot series. So if you know anything about pivot, uh, friends, fans, y'all know the word pivot. Ross, pivot, pivot. Basketball fans, what's the one? Nobody's a basketball fan in here? Thank you. What's the one foot you can't move? Pivot foot. Once you plant it, so here's for you basketball people. If you're playing basketball and you pick up your dribble, you can't move both feet. Why? That's traveling. Traveling's not good. You can move one foot, but this foot is your pivot foot. Or if you get the ball, you can pivot before you move. So it changes your direction, your trajectory, where you're looking at, but it's there. But it's not to keep you locked in there. It's to position you to do something in a different direction. And as I've been thinking about this over the last couple of weeks, some of the things we've talked about, the pivot that God's trying to get us to is to help us realize that we've been moving, a lot of us, for a lot of years. And it's not been bad. Like moving in a direction is good, but sometimes a pivot is required to move more in the direction he wants you to. It's not wasting all the time you had before, but it's now just a redirection on your heading. If you're a Navy person, they talk about this all the time. It just takes a little bit of rudder shift to move that big ship, right? Big old ship, but all it takes is just a little bit of rudder shift, a little bit of pivot, and that thing will go in a different direction. I think it's what he's trying to get into the church today is that you've been doing some things that have been good. And then post-pandemic, when you walk through the pandemic, you had to realize that, you know what? Some of those things aren't working the way they used to. We see these big mega churches, issues arising, all of this. So I think this pivot moment is to say, you know what? Yeah, you could have done some things here and there better, but you got to this place because of those. Now I just need to pivot you a little bit to get you focused back on me. Because if we're pursuing him, then we know that we're moving closer to other Christians, right? And we're getting back to that unity. We're getting back to the purpose of grace, love, faith, and all these things of who he is and what he embodied so we can become better, so we can become stronger as a church, and we can become what the people around us need. That all make sense now? We're on the same page? So this is where this pivot series comes. And there's two words that have kind of been in my spirit all week as I begin to think about this and it's funny, it started out, uh, as many of you know, I, pre- I got to preach at a conference last year, a business conference, and I've been invited again this year. So as I was thinking about this, these two words came to me, and I was like, okay, I've already, I was starting to organize my sermon for November, and then God said, wait a minute, we're going to bring it back a little bit. The two words are this, excess or access. 
We live in a world where the pursuit is excess. Everywhere you look, right? We want more, fill in your blanks, more what? What do you want more of? Money. That's a big one, right? I want more money. I want some more money. I'd give more tithes and offering if I had more money. I told you I wasn't going to talk about tithes and offering. I'm sorry. Sorry. More money. <laughs> I want more what? Free time. Oof, that's a big one, right? I got three kids and all the things, and I just wish I had some more free time. If I did, I would serve you more, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm not going to make these all about God. More love. Oof. Yeah, that one tends to come from and I don't even know what necessary love is because I've been given a bargain basement version of it. The people I've allowed, you need to hear this, the people I've allowed to love me cannot love me for who I am because they can only love me to the level of value they've assigned to me. Now that is not an invitation for you to just do whatever you want. It's an invitation to connect to the one who loves you to the value you were created with. Because the world will assign all sorts of value. They'll tell you, you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can love whatever you want. You can. And God says you can do that too. But if you don't want to know what I say about you, come talk to me. And it's going to be hard because depending on who you are with, who you're around, all that, it's hard to come out. Well, somebody said, you know, I was in this relationship and I know I was abused and battered, but that's just what my ex-husband told me I was valuable. And I just can't, you know how many people struggle with understanding love on a godly perspective because of what's been done to them? So then their worth is ultimately defined. So they find, try to find that worth, that level of value in the people that will give it to them. Or they completely reject that, that broken model, and go the exact opposite, not realizing that that's just as broken as, well, I'm not going to be that, is just as broken as I'm going to be that. What else? Money, time, love, appreciation of life. Man, come on. I don't know if y'all know this, but this is Leah's first time to hear today, and she just has some stuff in her. Welcome home. This is a church where we appreciate what you have going on in your life. I'm going to share a little bit of your story. Leah comes in. She goes, you know, we realize we need to be in church, but we don't know really what we are. We realize we're not Catholic and we're not Baptist. I said, good, because you found the right place. I said, you really chose the opposite ends of the spectrum, the bookends, if you will. I said, good. We're all trying to figure out Jesus here, too. But it's true. What was it you said? Appreciation of life. See, it's also appreciation of self. If you don't appreciate yourself, you won't appreciate life. Which is, if you really want to get back to the ultimate, all of it goes right back to the most basic of things. The thing that we talked about earlier, that people want to go back to the Ten Commandments. We've preached this in this church, and many of you weren't here when I preached that sermon series. Maybe we need to preach it again. The Ten Commandments, the whole purpose was value, value, value. First, you need to value God above yourself and everything around you. That's the whole first four commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your mind, body, soul, your heart, your everything, everything. Because when you love him to that level, it changes how you see him. And in return, when you honor him and love him and respect him as creator, God, most powerful being ever that created you, took enough time to create little OU, you understand his value, then you serve him differently. 
It's not the angry father, but you also realize what he says goes. He's not sitting there saying, you should do what I said do. He's inviting you to do it. But what he's saying is, you can do whatever you want, but I do know best. That's the first four commandments. Go look at them, all of them. The next six commandments are because you understand who God is and you love him to that level. Now, as Jesus said, the second commandment is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So first, you cannot love your neighbor to a level. You cannot value them to a level until you first understand your value to the level that God has assigned to you. So you can give out love, whatever you want, but if you don't love yourself, I can assure you, you can't love somebody else. It's why a lot of people struggle with receiving love from God. That's what happens. When you know who he is in those first four, the next six, you realize, wow, he does love me. I'm not just doing these four things because I have to. I'm doing them because I want to be in the presence of the one who loves me more than anybody else. And then when you walk out, I look at every image bearer. That's what your neighbor is. They were created in the same image you were. They may have gotten away from the image a little bit because we know some people like, oh, Lord, I can't love that person. You need to love them as God sees them, not as you see them, not as they've become. And that is the dying to self. That is what all of us walk through in our life. You're like, well, this is just who I am. Okay, you've assigned yourself an identity. It may be less than what God wants to do through you, which will limit what God can do through you. There's a whole lot of people that, well, this is just who I am. Life's done this to me. Yeah, life has done a lot of things to us. People have done a lot of things to us. The biggest thing we can do is to arrive to a place that's bigger than what's been done to us and realize we have access to something that's, been bigger, that's bigger than what's been done for us. That's God. We're going to talk about access and access today because I want to break it down to the most simplest of things. We can talk about it in all those things, but I think if we really get down to this, our faith, our faith in God will find that, and this is going to be really hard for us to see because if I told you, like, having an excess of faith is bad. Does that sound really weird, Richie? When I begin to think about it, it's like, that just doesn't come out right. But anytime we have an excess of something, it's wine. If you have an excess of money in the bank, that money is there because you are not Going to Target. If you don't know, Michelle is on our finance team and she has helped us with our finance. That's why she's looking at Morgan. No, I'm just kidding. I know your Target bill, Pastor. Man, it's, they throwing darts and daggers, Rick. I need you to pray over this service real quick. Hey, we're real here. But what if I told you an excess of faith is not necessarily good because it means you're not using it? What if the invitation is an access to more faith without ever having an excess of it? Y'all with me now? See, because here is our limitation in life. This is what's been assigned. Excess is value. 
The more money you have, the more valuable you are. The more likes on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok you have, the more valuable you are. The more followers you have, the excess of something, you're more valuable. But have you ever met somebody that really doesn't have an excess of and they seem happier? There's a joy to their life that is just not limited to how much they have. It's what they have access to. If you look at the children of Israel, the whole story is about not giving them excess or giving them more than they need until they understand the value of what they need. Because then they don't have an excess, they have exactly what they need and an abundance that they give away. See, this is where excess and access comes in. If you get to a place of understanding your access, then you'll stop desiring excess because everything that comes in your hands you'll begin to disseminate because I understand the access I've been given. Put it to you in this way. My kids, they can invite the neighbor kids in for snacks. Come get, come get the pantry. Why is that? Because they know when the pantry is empty, what's mom and daddy do? Go back to the store. They know that because, hey, mom, dad, we're out of the Pringles. Mom, dad, we're out of the goldfish. And they know the moment they say it, we're not like... Ah, you're never getting goldfish again. You ate all the goldfish and that's it. Only so much goldfish for the month. One box, that's it. No, they understand. They eat what they need and we hold them to that. They do have to ask permission to go in the pantry. Because I know if I didn't, I'd be eating goldfish every other day. And gas costs a lot to get to the grocery store. <laughs> But they know that they have access to the pantry. I'm not going to deny that to them. I'm just going to hold them accountable when they go in that they're not taking only cookies or only bad stuff for them, that there's a good mixture of what they need in their life. And when it's gone, I'll restore it. And if they bring friends over, wow, we only got this so much gummies. Give them away because I want your friends to know they have access to the same thing. Is this bringing Jesus more to light today? I want to read some scripture to you. I'm not just going to sit up here and speak to you the whole time, although you know I could. Hey, whoa. Hebrews 11 and 1. This is the faith verse. Hebrews 11 and 1. These three will be on the screen as I talk through them. The rest of them will not. So I encourage you to write them down, type them in your phone. And, and I always say this, go back and chew on it. Go back on your own time and reread these verses because that's where the Holy Spirit, that's where you have that access to it. If you're a Christian, you believe, and you've been get access to that, that is our access to take something. I may read it, and you may read it, and we get something different. Why? Because we have access to this voice that wants to take us deeper. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So this scripture, and there's, there's a lot of they even tear this apart. Richie, right? We, we get down to what the purpose of this is. Now, faith is the assurance, assurance, assurance. This is a word I want to, to focus in on a little bit. And I'm going to go to this commentary that I found because it was something I really had to understand. If I can find it now, I... I I searched through so many things. 
Stick with me. Y'all with me? Okay. I want to I get this from where I read it, because otherwise I could tell you what I think I saw, um, but I may not even find it. I didn't, but I know the word that was used. So they talked about two words. I don't remember one of them. One of them was this. So faith is the assurance. The assurance comes from the Hebrew word that means the same thing as covenant or commitment. It's the same thing you would do in a house. If you were buying a house, all that paperwork you sign is a commitment that you will repay that. So faith in Respect is the same thing. When you have faith in something, the faith is tied to a commitment. See, I think this is a struggle in this verse, and I think with a lot of us, because we've experienced so many things in our life that we've been committed to that failed us, the moment we start talking about Jesus and committing to him, that's the lens we see it through. Well, I had a, a husband or a wife that failed me. I've had uh, a business that failed me. I've had a teacher that failed me. I've had kids that failed. Whatever it is, we struggle with that. So then when we meet Jesus, we, we have this lens of, yeah, I guess I believe in him if. I'll love you if you'll do this for me. So faith then comes out of an excess of what he does for us. Amen? If God's moving in our life and he does all these things, well, I can believe in that. Whew. I'm just, he's healing people in my life. I got an abundance of money. Life is good. I love this Jesus guy. The moment all that falls apart, when you lose that excess, now I don't know that I believe in him that much. This is the limitation of faith. But what it's saying right here is now faith is the commitment of things hoped for. And this is the limitation of what you hope for, what you see, and this hope comes out of a different place. It's not you meet him for the first time, it's like, I hope for this car, this house, uh, a beautiful fairy tale wedding with this dude or this girl and everything, because if that's what you believe hope is, you're hoping for what this wants, not what he wants. But it's really committing to him. Faith is this, meeting Jesus for the first time and saying, you know what, you've got to be better than what I had. So I want to spend more time with you so that I can hope for me what you hope for me. And the commitment is he's going to meet you in that place and take care of you. And through those moments of hope, through those things that he does, that he opens up to you, there is a conviction of things that you don't see. Why is that? Because your faith will never be completely fulfilled before you die. You are never going to experience the complete level of God in your life. Like he would blow your mind. How little would that make God if we think about this? God's going to do some amazing things. He wants to do amazing things in your life. He wants to do amazing things through you. But we're going to get to heaven and realize, wow, God was big. So there will always come a place where you have to believe beyond what you've seen. That's the true limit of faith. Like there will always come that moment like, I've never experienced that, but I believe it. How does that happen? Many times we can through testimonies. I've heard testimonies from you. I've not experienced some of the things you have, but in those moments where God worked in you and through you and around, like I now have a different level of understanding and faith in God, not because I personally experienced, but I'm convicted that you actually went through it and I see that. You know, I, and I talk about healing talk about what he did for my dad. If there's people all over all the time that say, well, I've never experienced that before. But when you tell them the story, you can't denounce what God did. 
There is a conviction. And that's what he wants to do as we get to know him more. Those 12 disciples that were invited to walk with him, through those three years, there was a conviction that there was more ahead of them, but they were assured by what they'd experienced with him. Go with me. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now I'm going to go to Hebrews 11.6. And if you don't know this Hebrews 11, this is the faith chapter. And it talks a lot about those in the Old Testament that before Jesus ever came, they are saved, although he didn't die necessarily for their sins because they were before Jesus, but they are saved by their faith in God. And many of these were called to do things that extended them even beyond just belief or what they see or what they knew, but it was their ability to do something beyond that and trust God to that level that they are saved. But Hebrews eleven six says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. <clears throat> So I want to take a little bit of time on this passage because I think this is the place where we talk about access and excess that we can be limited even in a church perspective. Because if you're new to church, you come to church for the first time, you can look around at some people and like, oh Lord, that person just prays differently. You know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, I wish you could go back when I was a kid in Backwoods Church, Arkansas. I had some family members. They just prayed differently. Like... <laughs> Those are the ones I really didn't want my friends to meet. But there was a reason they prayed differently, because there was an assurance in them, and they weren't afraid to pray for anything. Like sometimes, like, I'll just pray for everything. But there was an assurance in them. So then the hard part was when we become believers that first time, we instantly start comparing. See, this is the problem with excess. The problem with excess in the world with money is there is a spirit of comparison. If somebody's got a lot of it, I'm comparing myself. That's why I see the desire of that's what I've got to be. I don't see how they got it. I don't see what they did or what they didn't do to get it. I just want that. And now, even in church, if that's the way we see faith, I just want your level of faith, Richie. I don't want to go through really what you went through to get it. Or unknowingly, when I say I want that faith, God, give me that level of faith. What I'm asking is for something bigger. I'm asking for the journey to get there. Not the excess, but the journey, the process is really what you're asking for. Because most of those people who got to that place have the faith to be where they are. There's an operation. There's a, I hate to say this, but there is levels. When you're a first Christian, your level of faith is pretty small and minimal. Your level of trust, like this God guy, I'll fill him out. I'll go walk with him, but I don't know. But as you go, there is a level that you receive. I have more faith today than I did 20, I guess 30 years ago now almost when I got saved. And I was born and raised in church, so I knew a lot about the Bible, but I didn't have the faith I have today. But there would be in me a brokenness if I felt like I've arrived and I've got enough faith for tomorrow. Because that limits me to here. So then I'm just, I got enough. You want some faith? You get some faith? I got enough. I'll be fine. There's a limitation. But for those coming in, how many of you coming in looked at somebody who is more spiritually mature and you're like, ooh, that person prays differently, talks differently, and you said, I'll never be that. So unknowingly, we've allowed that mindset from we can even be 
When we're reading that scripture, we begin to think it from that perspective. Okay, I saw so-and-so, and I see the level of faith that they have. And it says here, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So now I see that person who's got a lot of faith and God's blessing them and doing some things in their life. And he's not doing that for me. So now I guess I don't have the level of faith and it's hard. I could never see myself getting to that place. So I'll never have that level of faith. You know what? I'll probably just go on doing what I did. See how quick that can happen? We see it from finance and currency and things out of the church. But unknowingly, faith is our currency in the body. And it doesn't happen overnight as much as we'd like. We live in a time more than any where everybody's looking for the easy dollar. There's a reason all of these online and app uh, gambling sites are thriving right now because everybody's looking for the big money. Everybody's trying to get the easy dollar. It's the same way in church with faith. Everybody wants the easy faith. And there's a reason the church isn't making the waves it did in Acts. There was a stupid level of faith required to move the way they did in Acts for the church to make an impact on the way it did. Why is there a stupid level of faith? Because Jesus, the author and perfecter and finisher of their faith, just stepped off the earth and said, you got it. I'm reminded of the, the Will Smith, Jazzy Jeff, or DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince song, uh, when the parents go out of town, left the keys to the brand new Porsche. If you never heard it, you should listen to it. I feel like that's how they were. Like, geez, like I'm out of town. Keys to the brand new Porsche. You got to have some faith in yourself to go drive daddy's car, especially one that's that valuable. And I think we have to understand that. If we want to make the impact that God called the church to be, we have to pursue, we have to pivot to look at what the church did and how they did it then and say, I want to be there. There was not an excess in that moment. There was an access to it. Just last week, we talked about the day of Pentecost. They went to the upper room, not because they had an excess of faith, but they realized they had to an access to a new level of faith. And then we talked about it, how there was moments where they went back for prayer. Why? Not because they wanted an excess. They needed access to something bigger, something deeper, so they could reach a different place. I'll read this last scripture with you. Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, I know I'm giving you a lot of pop culture references today, but white men can't jump. They're driving in the car and it's white and a black man. And Wesley Snipes puts on Jimi Hendrix. Me and Scott quote this, this statement a lot. Puts on Jimi Hendrix. And Woody Harrelson's character is like, oh, I love to listen to Jimi. And Wesley goes, you may listen to Jimi, but you don't hear Jimi. That's a white and black thing. But I think there's some context to this because you can listen to the Bible, you can listen to the preaching, you can listen to worship music and never hear 
God. You can sit in this service every week and listen to me. You can even listen, take notes, and do exactly what I say and never hear God. I don't want you to hear me. If I'm talking and I'm preaching, evidently I believe that God's given me something for you. And if you're only hearing what I say and how I say it, you're not hearing God, you're listening to me. And maybe you're hearing me, and that's just as broken too, because I can only give it to you through my journey, my perspective, my testimony. But what happens when you begin to hear God through that, you see through the way I received it, you understand what's capable of you, but you realize your journey to get to it may be different. This is where faith begins to occur in your life. When you understand you're not trying to get to my level of faith or what I've accrued or what maybe in your season you perceive as excess, I can assure you when it's in those moments that I've had be like, oh, you just have so much faith. I'm struggling in that moment because I'm operating with as much faith as I need in that place. I can assure you, you could not, and this is nothing about me, this is all about this position, you could not be a pastor with a little bit of faith. You couldn't be a ministry leader with a little bit of faith. It's hard enough being a parent with a little bit of faith. 100% honest, there's times I just want to pull my hair, but I don't have any hair, so I don't pull it. That's why I shave my head. Said, Lord, fill in the gap of faith. Now, but it's that way. When you look at somebody with a lot of money, you can look at them like, man, I wish I had all that money. More money, more problems, what Notorious B.I.G. said. It's true. You don't know what kind of problems they have. You don't know what they have to use that money for. You don't know the amount of people in their company, their business they have to take care of. All of that comes with it. You don't get to have a billion dollars with $100 problems. If you did, you'd spend it all. That's your finance tip for the day. Faith is the same way. So when we desire an excess, it's generally based off what we see in somebody else, and we don't understand that there's a process to get there, and when we get there, that amount of faith will be required. And even in that place, we can get stuck and say, well, I'm okay with this level of faith, this level of things that I can... And God's like, I just want you to go more. The invitation was to keep walking because I have something bigger for you. You just got to tap into a deeper level of faith. You gotta, may have to go through some things. You may have to trust me, but helping us realize that our access is where the truth is, where the faith lies. And we're not limited to an excessive amount of it. We have access to exactly what we need when we need it if our pursuit is of him. i got some passages for you today. Or i got notes on here and notes on there, but I copied some scripture over. I want to hear this. I want to go access before, or excess before we go access. I want you to hear these three scriptures. Like I said, write these down. If you want to go back and read them, I encourage you to. Luke 12, 15, Jesus said, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Now we think about that from money, things, cars, house, all of that. 
But if you possess faith, it can become your possession. And if it's one of your possessions, you can covet the abundance of somebody else's. Some of the most beautiful things become idols in our life. Things that you needed, God moments in your life become idols. He hit me with this thought the other day. Don't allow yesterday's provision to be your idol of today. Maybe you had a season of more money in the past and now you don't. And you've built an idol in your life that says, if God's not allowing me to have that much money, then God's not here. And you begin to worship what you had instead of thriving in what you have. Sometimes you didn't understand the value of what you had, so he had to remove it so you can understand the value of your relationship with him. The hardest thing for especially us men to find, but I'm, I've talked to millionaires, people who have companies, and I've made this statement to them, and I've made this statement to people who are struggling week in and week out. And it's funny is the people who have the most and have the bigger companies, all the people who work for them, come to me and said, you don't know how much I needed to hear that. It's this statement. You are not their provider. You are merely a provision. You know how hard it is, women? You may not. How hard it is for us men to think that we're the providers of our homes? I see marriages struggle all the time because if a man loses his job, a man hurts himself, whatever, now in his mind, everything's going to fall because what he is or is not, what he can or cannot do. These men, when they have these big companies and all these millions of dollars, it's in their head. If I make one bad move, I could lose all of this. And it's not just going to affect me. I go live in a box or a van down by the river. But it's everybody that works for me, that works under me. I'm going to be the reason that they fail. I'm going to be. And it's so much pressure. And every day, every decision, everything they do is based off this I cannot fail moment. Have you ever felt like that in your faith? Let's be real today. If I fail right here, I've prayed for it, and I'm a pastor, and if I do this, I can assure you, whether I like it or not, if I failed right here, right now, there would be people who would walk away. It happens every day. Go check Hillsong. Go check some of these bigger churches where we're seeing failures of people who just made mistakes, who are just like you and me, but because they were put on a pedestal and we assumed an excess level of faith, the moment they walk out, we just lose all hope. That's too much pressure for you. It's too much pressure for people who feel like they provide. That's where we got to begin to trust more. God, he, we're not a provider. He's merely providing through us. It changes how you pray, how you operate. God, give me the right words, the right action to say, because you know better to allow me to provide in the way that you want me to. There comes a release in that. It's not the excess, it's the access. But then we start thinking about this, the abundance of one's possessions. There can be covetousness. Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Proverbs 25 and 14. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. Yes, ma'am. That one, oh, the Proverbs... Both of them. I'll repeat them again because I'm going to come back to them. So Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace, Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. So first we have to understand faith is not your doing. It's a gift from God. That's why when you ask for more faith and you go through a process, you got to understand how hard this is. The process is a gift. Because he wants you to understand the value of your faith. Walking through some mistakes you made and realize there are circumstances you have to go through helps you to understand the value of that when you get through it. But it's not, your, it's not yours to boast on. It's a gift. Proverbs 25, 14 says, Light clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift who does not give. So in that place, you shouldn't want what you didn't, weren't given. Well, I have this level of faith. There's a lot of people who got empty faith because they've heard stories and they can tell you about other people's story, but deep down, they don't believe any of it. They can read some scripture. They can tell you the story their pastor told them and make him feel good. But I guarantee the moment life hits them in the teeth, you'll find out how much faith they really have. That's why people are falling away from the church today. They're able to tell a story. They're able to regurgitate what their pastor said, what their church believes, this scripture that they have on their screensaver or on their bumper sticker. But there's no faith applied to it. Why? Because they didn't earn it. They can only tell you about somebody else's excess in their eyes. If we stop coveting what other people had, then we'd realize that what we have is perfect for the season we're in, and we want a more so we can get to the next place. And to do that, the desire is not for excess, but it is for access. I want to read you some access scriptures. John 14 and 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So first off, we understand that access for salvation is through Jesus, the only way. Ephesians 2.18, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So now we see because of what Jesus did, he opened a door for us to have access through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to the Father. Now think about this. Jesus died. What happened at the temple? The veil was torn. That was the access to God. There was one room where God, the holiest of holies, was present in the temple. And the only way to get to that was through that door where this big curtain And we're not talking a curtain like at your house, even the blackout curtains. This thing was heavy duty. So when Jesus died and the thing tore, it was a big deal. It was the same thing as if your door just gets blown off your house. It was a statement of the instant access we were given because of what Jesus did. And then we see in Acts 2, the access they've been given to a moment of empowerment and connection through faith that God was going to do exactly what he said through Jesus. He said, go and I will send you power, right? There's a faith required to go do what God told you to do. This is the next struggle for a lot of people. They don't do what the Bible tells them to do because they don't have faith that he'll do for them everything he said. If you don't trust God, you're not going to have faith to step out or step into something that's awkward for you. And the church is not good at offering an invitation to this. We just want to tell you, you got to arrive here. Why? Because we have a level of faith and we want to get somebody to our level of faith 
overnight. Oh, you're saved? You said the sinner prayer? Okay, let me tell you how much faith you need to have. Tell me it don't happen. Tell me we don't expect our kids at 18 when they leave our house to have our level of faith. Yet we never allowed them to walk through our journeys, our ups and downs, our mistakes with us to understand how we achieved that faith. You want to know why your kids generally have the same money problems you have? But for some reason in our houses, we hide our money problems from our kids. Truth? How many of you shared your money problems with your kids? And how many of you have kids who have money problems today? We expect them to do something and learn differently than we learn because, well, I just don't want to share those things with them. So, and you know what? All you're doing is damaging them. One of the commitments Morgan and I made, and it was not that long ago, we were the same way. That's the way we'd raise. You keep your money issues to yourself. So then you don't invite people that can help you in. That was one of the realizations like, we need help, Michelle. You're wired that way. We're not. We need you to come in. Had to walk. She's earned it and learned it. So now she brings her level of faith, her level of wisdom of what she's come through. There was never a, you need to arrive at here. It was an invitation to walk closer to. Same thing with our kiddos. When we struggled in finances and things like that, we begin to invite them into it. You ain't going to get this. Sorry. We ain't got that. Daddy bet the house on St. Louis to win, and they lost. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a whole difference. They were like, ooh, just kidding. But we invite them into those spaces that help them understand and realize the value of those mistakes, because mistakes have value or are less than value, take away value. Invite them at place. It's the same way in faith. We've had moments over the last six years where we've had to trust God in some crazy moments, and we've shared some of those with you. We share those levels and those moments of faith with them. Why? Because they were part of the process. When we came here, it wasn't just organized decision. We invited the kids in on that decision, let them know they were a part of this. It's not going to be mommy and daddy comes to Greenbrier and you're just the, the collateral damage or the baggage that comes along. I don't care if you believe. I don't care if you want to. This is what God's called us to do. That is such a broken mentality. No, I need you to have faith. I need you to see when God does this and what he does. I need you to know that your mom was laying on the floor with a razor about to take her life and that God was there for her. You need to know that there's a God bigger than what you can see, feel, and touch. And he's there for you if you just trust him. You need to know you have access. Ephesians 2.18, we already said that. Ephesians 3.12 in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So now, because we have faith in who he is and our connection, we can go in boldness with confidence to the throne. And you have to understand it is to the throne. Like God didn't downgrade to a trailer. And you're like, well... He left the temple, so now he hangs out in a trailer down in the, the local court. No, there is still a throne, and you now have access to go boldly and confident. But imagine if you thought about it from that perspective, how differently you would walk in. Your level of faith also determines who you're praying to and who you believe in. If you just got a little bit of faith, you don't really know who God the King is, the creator of everything. 
because you would pray differently. You would ask for faith and walk through faith differently. You would operate differently because you would realize you're not operating in your own name. The moment you drop Christian, it's nothing about you. It's the one you're walking like. So then you would ask for a new level of faith to walk in the way he did instead of being satisfied the way you did. But you got to have some access for that. You got to realize that it is a conversation. He doesn't restrict it, put a red rope in because you didn't come in right the first time. He invites you closer to him to help you realize who he really is and what he sees in you. That you've been called to be what? A nation of priests. You can't be a nation of priests until you know who you're a priest of. Then you operate differently. Hebrews 4, 16 let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Romans 5.2, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope, hope, hope of the glory of the Lord. I want to I pivot a little bit here. And I'm going to give you these two scriptures. I'm not going to read them, but I want to talk about them. Matthew 17, 20, and then Luke 17, 5 through 6. And if you've been in church any amount of time, when we talk about faith, what is the level of faith that Jesus said you had to have? Anybody? Mustard seed, right? We go back to that often. How many of you ever said it just requires a a seed, a, a faith the size of a mustard seed? So you have to understand what Jesus was trying to say here. In Jewish communities and that society, the mustard seed was the smallest seed that they had. But there was something else. It was also the most persistent. You could plant a mustard seed and you're going to get a tree out of it. It didn't matter what kind of soil you put it in. It was was persistent. Once you planted it, you were going to get mustard. You ever taste mustard? Mustard really overpowers everything it's on, right? You can put mustard and ketchup together. You're going to taste the mustard over the ketchup every time. Mustard has something on it. You get mustard on your clothes? Ooh, that's bad. There was something persistent about mustard. You have to understand what Jesus was saying. Yes, it's small, but it's the persistence. It is the durability It is the action that will come out of planning this. It will happen. So if you think about that, in the first scripture I I I gave you, he said, if you have faith, the level of the size of a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, be removed, and the mountain would be moved. So now let's think about that because we live in Marvel superhero days. So in our perspective of that, if I said, mountain be moved, I think of this super Thor capacity, right? Every one of you, right? I want that level of faith. Mountain, bam! And the mountain's gone. And then we walk through it. It's not what he was saying. Think about who he was talking to. They didn't have access to the movies we have today with the CGI and all the things. So when he said, mountain be removed, Think about it from this perspective. I know you've seen the Charlton Heston, and we love where it holds the staff up and the seas split. How long did Moses have to sit there while the seas were parting? It wasn't like, 
I'm sure it was a... And he still had to hold it a little bit longer. Like, I told you it's going to part. Just trust me. Before you know it, it's this big wall. Now you got to trust me that you're going to walk through it. And it's going to stay open the whole time you're there. And Moses, I just need you to keep that staff raised because if you don't, everybody's going. So the one that had to have faith, why? Because probably the rest of them wouldn't have had the level of faith because they hadn't had the one-on-one connection that Moses had had with God. In their eyes, he had an excess. But realistic, all they needed was hoping that he had access to the right voice. So if you think about that from the mustard seed, what he's saying is, you could say to that mountain, be moved, but do you have the durability and the persistence to stay there and believe as a rock goes rolling by, as a leaf goes blowing by, and suddenly a little bit starts moving, and before you know it, the whole mountains begin to shift rock by rock over to here. It wasn't just, it was, do you have the faith to be durable and persistent in what you're asking me to do? Because it's not in excess at that point. You just got to know who you have access to. And the moment you access me and pray for something like that, you got to trust me that it will be done and stand fast. Because people don't care about the mountain moving. They care that you said it. And when it doesn't, it's going to fall back on you as a Christian. Mm, Who do you believe? And it wasn't that God couldn't do it. Maybe it was that we realistically didn't have the faith to do it. What did this stem from in that chapter? The guy came to him and said, would you cast this demon out of my son? I asked the disciples, and they tried to do it, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, get out of there. And then he said, if you just had the faith, the size of a mustard seed, little, but if you would have been persistent and knew who you had access to, you wouldn't have been praying for an excess of, God, give me the faith that I can cast this demon out. That's what every one of us would have been like, right? Oh, Lord, I saw Jesus do it. Lord, oh, give me the level of Jesus' faith so I can do what he did. So they're not praying for the access to, they're praying for the excess of. Aha, now you see where I've been, Right? Jesus was not trying to get them to Jesus' level hero yet. And that's what he told them. Oh, ye of little faith. Not that you have to have my level of faith. You just need to have the level of faith that you're capable of right now. If you would have just believed in the one who called you and who he sent by, then you would have understood you had the power to cast them out. See, and that's the problem is we love our titles But titles don't give you faith. You know who were the only two types of people that recognized Jesus for who he was? The people who he walked through life and helped and ministered into and unlocked them. The woman at the well in Samaria, I guarantee he'd understood who he was because he validated her in that moment and gave her value. You know who the other one was? Demons. Check it. Every time he walked into a room with a demon, he was like, whoa. Jesus, what are you doing here? You weren't supposed to be here yet. I thought I had a little more time to hang out. Okay, if you just let me go hang out in those pigs, that'd be fine. I know I'm not supposed to be here. If you just let me go hang out in the pigs, I'll be fine with that. He didn't need to be recognized by anybody that didn't know him. I care less about my titles. 
I actually said that to somebody this week. I'm like, well, you know, there's just certain titles that need to be held on to. I'm like, oh, there is. I don't care about this. Yeah, I get to be pastor, I guess. But more importantly, I'm just Anthony trying to help you and walk through life with you. You know who I do want to recognize the calling on my life? I want some demons to start recognizing me. That's a scary thought, right? Because that means I'm pursuing that level of faith. That whatever's encountering me, the one who's put me in that space with that demon knows I have access to the faith to defeat it. I'm not looking at exorcist or, or yeah, exorcist where I got to have an old priest and a new priest and you got to do it this way and you got to say it this way. Nope. I firmly believe that if I'm in the presence of something like that and I have access to the faith, I just got to tell them in the name of Jesus, you don't get to stay there anymore because that's not what you're allowed to be in. That's what Jesus did. Jesus said, you, go. Because he had access to a level of faith in that moment to cast it out. You have no dominion right there. Go. And I know this is really weird for somebody like, ooh, now he's preaching about casting demons out. If you don't think that demons exist in the world, you stopped reading this Bible in places that made you uncomfortable. I would even say there's demons in the churches today. But because we don't have enough faith in the level of Jesus in here when somebody walks in for them to take notice of, they've kept their mouth shut. How do I know that? Look back when Jesus walked in some of those places. Those were in houses and places of belief. In the temple, one of them was. In the temple, a demon was that place and was gone unnoticed. But the moment Jesus walked in, oh, crap. What are you doing here? Tell me that's not the same way today. Father, I want you to do something crazy in me, in your church, that when we walk in, we walk in the authority and the access of what you've given us, and the enemy has to recognize us. And it's in that space we give them an exit ticket out of town. That's crazy thinking, but that's the faith I'm inviting you into today. That's the faith I'm giving you access to today. You want to be world changers and groundbreakers? That's it. To get back to the Acts church when Peter walks in front of the, the council of all these Pharisees and Sadducees and begins to speak, and he's like, I don't know where this is coming from, but God told me to say it. Blah! That's the way it is. I want to read these last scriptures and we're going to be done. Because you have to understand this. Romans 15, 13. Is this helping anybody? Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, in believing. See, that is what faith comes down to. First, it is belief, the, the very beginning of belief, but it is not just an arrival of I believe. It is the constant learning, the constant believing in more. As you know Jesus more, you begin to believe differently, deeper. You don't just believe that he's the one that called you and you got to say a prayer, made you feel good, and you're going to heaven. Like, it's bigger than that. How many of people, you can raise your hand or you nod, it's not a big deal, but I want you to get the, the visual. How many people today, if you lost your job or now whatever, didn't have a check come in the mail anymore, would be financially okay? There's people out there, right? I got enough money in the bank, I can survive, I'll be okay. How much fear do you have in losing that job? 
I think it's sometimes the level of our faith too. If we understand what we have access to, if I told you, you don't have that much money in the bank, but you know what you have access to, there's going to be a constant provision that comes in no matter what. See, the moment you realize you have access to more than you have in your hand, the fear goes away. There's too many people whose faith, and we've always said faith is the opposite of fear. I don't think that's true. I think fear is misplaced faith. Bible says what? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Talked about that a few weeks ago. So where does fear come from? The enemy, the devil, is a liar. Steal, kill, destroy. What are you scared of most of? Death, that something's going to take all your money away, or that you will be destroyed. So if that's where our fear lies and steal, kill, destroy, our faith is not our, our, our faith is not the opposite of fear. Our faith is put into the lies of the enemy over us. I have faith that I can die, that I'll lose everything and all that. So I'm scared of what if it happens. That's why when we have fear of things, we take our hands out of what God says about us. It doesn't mean that you don't have wisdom in those moments, but it releases the stress and the fear and the anxiety of what if it happens? What if it does happen? I realize I have access. Okay. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. What love am I talking about today? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. See, where does our faith truly lie? The key to our faith, tapping in to this access, understanding what we have access to, then our pursuit is not an excess in a moment. It's to spend everything we got knowing that He is our provider. So I was thinking of this from the, you play a little music. I'm finishing up. I'm not going to be much longer. I was thinking of this from this business perspective. I've been as guilty as anybody. Has anybody ever made this statement? We do, I just want to live in the overflow. You ever said that? You hear a lot in Christianese and good sermons like, Lord, I just want to live in the overflow that I just got so much of me, I just splash over and people just, wow, wow. It's, it's a statement. It's what people believe. Like, I just want God to put so much in me that it's just falling out all over everybody else. I think that's a broken thing because then what I'm saying is I'm only giving you, I'm only deeming you valuable, worthy of more than I need. Whatever I have over this, you can have. And it's the old cup mentality. Lord, fill me up. As long as I stay full. I think that's broken. I think if we understand what he said to Abraham, I'm blessing you to bless others. 
I'm positioning you to be a blessing to others. If we understand what Jesus did, sending the disciples. I'm putting stuff in you, not for you, for others. To go and disciple and to share. Discipling is teaching or learning and sharing what you have. In other words, it's not you. Okay, this is for me. And, oh, Jesus gave me a little extra this month. You get some of that too. Not me studying like, oh, like keep this away from me. And, yep. Yeah. Preaching is not going to be good this month because Jesus really didn't fill me up a lot, but you get a sprinkle. 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 No. I think realistically we are a funnel, and the size of our faith dictates the size of our funnel. Have you ever tried to pour a lot of liquid in a little funnel? What happens? It overflows. See, this is the overflow mentality. We loved it. Oh, if I have a little bit of faith, God's going to pour a lot in me. It's just going to overflow into everybody. But you know what? You're not going to grow. You're not going to be any bigger because you have no overflow. And realistically, it's not directing it where it needs to go, but just a little bit. But we don't trust him that if we get a bigger funnel, that he'll still pour that amount. We love the overflow because it says something about us. We're around people, and I have a little funnel, but man, when I'm around you, like, oh, he's so good. I just get the heebie-jeebies on the back of my neck, and I just love being around Pastor Anthony. Or you close off your funnel. And suddenly, your small funnel is filled up, but unknowingly, it's become stagnant. People around you are getting blessed, and then... There comes a point where you're not really doing anything with it, and then you begin to resent the people who's getting feeding off of your overflow. But if we understood that we have been called, every one of us, that we have a purpose in our life, this is why he wants us to undo some things in us. He wants to connect us to us. He wants to get us back to the way we were created because we have the biggest impact that way. And as our faith grows, more that is pouring in, the more he puts in, he wants to expand our funnel. He wants to remove your hand and trust that whatever pours through you into the places you've been called to, there's more where that came from. I'm going to give you access to exactly what you need to pour through you to take care of what you need, but to value those around you to a crazy level. Suddenly our lives are affected in a whole different way. I'm as guilty as the next person. Like, you see that person that... You feel a nudging in your spirit. Not everybody, because you see some of those homeless people out there, and we know as good as anybody. There's some of those that are working the system. It's sad when you see some of these where these there's people who are millionaires, and they go sit on a corner every day and take people's money, and, and there's actually homeless people who are struggling, and they all get blackballed because of this. This is where I release in my life the Holy Spirit. There's been times I've had a dollar in my pocket. There's been a time I've had a hundred dollar bill in my pocket. And I drove by homeless people and all that, and I never felt that nudging. But there's been moments where I just feel this nudge like, give that to them. And it's usually the more money that's in your pocket, bless you, where the struggle is. But God, you don't know what I could do with that hundred dollar bill. Yeah, but you don't know what I could do with that hundred dollar bill. And more importantly, you don't know that I have access to a lot more that came from. But do you trust me? I want you to stop and have a conversation with this person. Mm, God, I'm on a tight schedule. and I gotta, My time is valuable. I've got a lot of things. You don't know how valuable my time is. You don't know what life I could change in five minutes. 
See, faith begins to change the way you see the landscape of life. Suddenly, you put everything into his hand. He may tell you to sell everything and go, I don't know. That's between you and him, not me and you. I'm not going to be the one to tell you that. There's a lot of people that bounce around from prophetic service, and they could be told that. God told me to tell you, Richie, to sell everything and go, and they do it all tomorrow. You didn't hear God saying that to you before you heard that person say it? You might want to pray on that a little bit. But I think God wants to be more prevalent in our life, to operate through us, to move in our workplaces, our homes, our families. He's just asking you to have a little more faith. To realize you have access to more where that came from. If you give your faith away, know that I got more to come with that. If you share your faith with somebody, it may be little, but know there's value in your little bit of faith. Don't try to bring them to the, the super faith person in church or come meet your pastor because he has a lot of faith. Trust the little bit of faith you have and watch because he's actually positioned you and your little faith to pour out into that person and he will restore it and replace it. I guarantee it and keep pouring through you. And before you know it, when you see him begin to use your little faith for people, it's something. When it's poured through enough, it begins to widen and get bigger. And now your little bit of faith is a little bit more faith and your journey to get that's a little bit bigger faith and now you're doing silly crazy things like going up to people in the store because God told you to and like hey I just want to let you know I love you I just want to let you know I see you I have a friend of ours and he does that he commits every day to going up to at least 10 people and just telling them I love you and it's only by the Holy Spirit. And he was walking by one day. He said, it's always the dudes that look like you that I'm scared to say it. But God always says, go tell it to that dude. He said, there was a dude tatted up, beard, everything. And God said, go tell him you love him. He's like, yeah, we'll tell him I love him. I'm going to get punched. His buddy's always like, they do a podcast together. He goes, I'm just waiting on the day you get punched for telling some dude you love him or telling some dude's wife that you love her. He said, I walked up to that dude, the biggest, baddest dude, tatted up, beard, all of that, and said, has anyone told you they love you today? And the guy said, no. He said, I love you. Tears. Because he didn't know what was going on in his life, but there's a God who did. See, sometimes you don't have to throw any money at it. You just got to do what God tells you to do. That's the faith God wants in the church. That when he tells you to do something simple as just tell somebody I see you. I regret to this day, just a few years ago, we were standing in line in an old Navy. There was a lady at the cash register covered in scars from burns. And I heard the Holy Spirit tell me to tell her, your scars are beautiful. That wasn't me. There's no way I would have ever just said, I'm going to tell that to somebody. But you know what I did? I doubted God. And I don't know if she ever heard it. I pray to this day that somebody was able to tell her that. But I missed a moment that she could have heard the words of a father wash over her and say, you know what? I see through the scars and you're still here breathing because you were able to overcome this and you're beautiful. I miss it just like you do. Because I didn't trust God. Because it would have been awkward. Because I struggled in the what if that offends her. 
What if she slaps me? See, that's the problem with us trusting the Holy Spirit. It's always going to be stuck in the what if. If I do this, what if they're offended? Leah, I even had that moment with you today. As I'm sitting there talking to you and I'm hearing your story, I'm like, she's not like super Christian, all this. And God's like, pray for her. Daughter's going through COVID. And God said, pray for her daughter. And I worded it in a weird, I'm like, are you okay if I pray? She's like, yeah. Not me. It's just I happen to be the one hearing her story. I want to increase this, the field. I want everyone in this church to be operating that way. I want you to put yourself on alert in your life. I want you to say, God, use me, but you better watch out. Because he will. God, I need more of you. Watch out. He's going to give you more of him. God, put people in my life that I, you can use me to make a difference. Watch out. He's going to do it. Because he said he would. No, you have access to one who's called you for that moment, for that time to do what he's called you to do. Father, I thank you today for this word, for the continued leading and guidance in all of us, Lord, as your Holy Spirit pushes us, urges us, challenges us to walk by faith and do and be the things you've called us to be. Father, I pray that we would be a difference in the world around us, that we wouldn't have to tell people we are Christians, but the moment they encounter us, there would be a changing in us that they would see and say, I just need to talk to that person. Lord, make connections through relationship. Help us to be able to hear your voice like never before so we can become closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.